Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come. This is the Sleep the Week Review Podcast. We create, we review, and break down. Introducing first, Man of the Hour. Oh, guys, a the power. No, Charlie. Let's go! How's it hanging there, Chiefy? Little bit of chief and a little bit of beefing. <laughs> exactly. How's it going, everybody? This is Eat Sleep Elite episode. Who cares? All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> right out the gate, that was good. That was good. <laughs> I'm obviously a little bit out of it, uh, Charlie. I didn't tell you this. I rolled out of bed like two hours ago. All right. Anyway, um, I f- fully respect it. And uh, we got some wrestling this week. Some good old fucking wrestling. Already in it three seconds with a, with a swear word. I try to make it so that we can make these YouTube videos. I can never make it out of the first three minutes. All right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. Anyway. It's why I don't post VODs from Twitch, by the way. Um, because I literally can't last three minutes without swearing. It's the worst. But anyway. Um, so, yeah. That being said, uh, there's some wrestling this week. And uh, we had some really good stuff this week, Charlie. Um, Big time, you know, man. Weirdly, I was saying this to you before the show. On paper, didn't look like a super spectacular week. A couple of really good title matches, but some some really good stuff. Some stuff I was excited for, like the Kanosuke match. You know, I'm a big Kanosuke mark, you know. Um, oh, but, yeah. yeah, just not on paper, like, the most spectacular week. But I was, you know, really, really impressed with what they were able to do. Yeah, and I feel like all the wrestlers went out and delivered. So, yeah, let's jump right into the favorites. Is that is that the move? Absolutely, buddy, which I believe you're hitting your on first even, there, Chief. Yep, even numbers, so I'm going first. And there's a couple that I could choose from for sure. But let's talk about the uh, the main event of Dynamite. You got to win with your main events, right? AW World Tag Team Championships, Swerving Our Glory. They defeated the Young Bucks and Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs to win the championships. This was the Young Bucks' first title defense of their second reign. Honestly, this was just... Like an incredible PWG style main event. This this was a spot fest of spot fests. And you know you did good when you wake up and you see Ricky Starks all over people's Twitters like that fucking hate AEW. And they're trying to meme it. But the reality is you can't. There were so many fun little spots in this match, Garrett. And, and of course, we got to talk about the chemistry between the wrestlers. That's what I like to do. Nick Jackson and Swerve. To me, was the was the highlight of those two guys, uh, Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs. I thought were great. Um, there were so many moments when they knocked the ref out. They kind of had this whole circus act of everyone beating the shit out of each other with the title. There was a moment with Nick and uh, Ricky Starks, and this was the one I saw all over Twitter. People trying to meet it, but they were walking across the ropes. They looked at each other, slapped each other, and both landed on their nards. <laughs> I fucking bro if you don't uh, okay if you can watch pro wrestling but that's too much for you but the young bucks doing their bullshit isn't you need to reorganize in your brain what, that's, what that's makes what sense saying, and what bro, doesn't in wrestling like it's like it's like they'll 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 love when the young bucks run back and forth in the ring with adam cole and then kiss adam cole and that doesn't make any goddamn oh, no, sense no, no, in no, any that's universe nice send it up on meme that too they they hate everything about people having fun <sighs> and to me that was the ultimate if you know ricky stark's character you know he does that fucking walk along the rope. Nick Jackson also does that walk along the rope. So I just felt like it was a perfectly timed thing and it fit both their characters because, of course, when they see each other, they fucking slap. I also thought uh, there was a moment when Ricky and the Young Bucks 
and super kicked Keith Lee. Ricky went to celebrate and then they fucking kicked him back. Hold on, class. actually pause for a second. A I want I have a lot to say about this match. I don't mean to interrupt you, but if yeah. you're like, "Oh, uh, this makes no sense," but you were in any way a fan of Elias Ezekiel, <laughs> go fuck your, go fuck yourself. Actually, like, <laughs> like seriously, like, like you know what I mean? Like, and everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say they were having a field day with that because it's just it's just disrespectful to Ricky, bro. Like going saying shit about Starks in WWE would be a multi-time, if not world yeah, mid-card champion a year like, from today maybe he is wrestling over there it's like you we all still talking shit about him can there, we or? do a trade straight up damian priest i'm down there we go send it and but yeah man i i just there were so many moments and i just i loved it i i think having uh swerve in our glory win the titles here was was beautiful awesome. uh the celebrating with I'm sure everyone kind of saw like the picture. You mentioned that. to me before the show, you were su- you were surprised by this result. I was as well. I think everybody in the wrestling yes. world oh, pretty yes. much good, was. Good. And this was a this was a welcome surprise. I got to say, this was this wasn't a surprise where you kind of feel icky that they did it just for the sake of shocking you, because that doesn't happen too often. But every once in a while, it'll, it'll happen. And this was a surprise that was a very shocking. I don't. I didn't think they had any shot in hell because I thought no. they were. The Young Bucks were for sure I think winning. In everybody's it. head, the Young Bucks just won the championships. Just like Wardlow just won the championship. Yep. Wardlow's not losing to anybody for a long time. You know what I mean, probably. Um, and we thought and the same like, thing for the Young Bucks. We thought game. it was just going to be a six month build to the, and, maybe and even full gear or something, you know, like, yeah. or whatever. And then we're going to do all belts and that FDR was going to dominate everybody and they were going to dominate everybody on the way. And maybe they even have a non title match on the way or some nonsense. Actually, they probably wouldn't do that because it's a third match. But still, you know what I mean? Like, and so how this thing closes is Brandon Cutler, he distracts the ref, which inadvertently allowed Lee to hit the Bucks with Matt Shu. Swerve yes. then jumped off of Lee, Lee's chest, which we knew that was coming eventually in the title match. Mm-hmm. We knew when they landed that for the first time, I literally remember saying on this show, when they hit these moves to win the titles, it's going to be insane. Mm-hmm. What'd they do? They hit that move off the chest. Lee then fucking f- hits the flip himself. They set up the Swerve Stomp. They hit it on Starks and win the titles. We have new tag champs, and my God, I am so glad we went this route because this just—I think they fucking earned it. We've been talking about—they've been wrestling on dark. They've been wrestling everywhere. Oh, dude, I'm so curious how many matches they have as a tag team. Maybe when you're talking about this, I'll less I'll pull than twenty, that I think. But these guys have been putting in the work since they came here to AEW. And shout out Keith Lee, shout out Swerve. Congrats on your first championships here. Absolutely. I think you guys fucking earned it, and I'm excited to see where you go next. So. Yeah, Garrett, go ahead. Uh, you take it yeah. away. We had the, our triple threat for the AEW Tag Team Champions. Our eighth brain yeah. seventh team to, uh, champion. The triple or nothing tag match. So you mentioned a couple of spots that I just want to go to. So um, we mentioned you mentioned the uh, chemistry between Nick Jackson and the Sword, which I want to see as a match now. Please, thank you. My God, um, yes. But, it was every time uh, they touched. Absolutely. They were being athletic. They, they at first, when they first like met up with each other, Nick Jackson was like, nah, I'm just going to do some flippy shit out of the ring. And Swerve was like, no, I'm going to flippy shit after you, bitch, you know? Um, and it just kept going after him. And I think eventually it led into some kind of spot where Swerve took over. Um, and then there was like that double type spot you were talking about. Um, is that, I was just, I'm just going to read what I wrote in my notes. I genuinely believe the AEW tag division is the foundation of the company. Like everything that the entire company is built upon is on the tag division. hundred um, percent. I've never cared about more. I've never cared about tag team wrestling more than I do in AEW. 
Yes. And we, we had a, a Keith Lee hot tag that also led to like the Haas collision, I called it, which was not just what I wrote in my notes as a catchy thing. The Haas has collided in a giant spot. Um, and like, yes, so, they, like where they run and they hit each other in the chest, which always looks awesome when two big dudes do it. Cause you know, that shit hurts like hell. They're two giant men with big chests. But anyway, um, then, uh, we had a, we had the bullfrog splash. Uh, from Hobbs. I don't know if I like it being called that. It's kind of silly, but whatever. Like we have the tad. He got some height on that though, man. Yeah, dude. Hobbs is athletic. People sleep on. I said months and months and months and months and months ago that Hobbs was the most athletic of the big men. Wardlow has since proven me wrong. I'm glad to be have been proven wrong by Wardlow in that regard. But Hobbs is right behind him, man. I'm not even so, kidding. Like, so they've had 12 matches as a team, 11 as a tag. One of their matches, they were teamed up with Trent on Dark. Ah, it was a tri- the trio match, right? Yeah, so. So, and I, that's been since April 13th. And I didn't know this. Apparently, they tagged a little bit in uh, AAW before they uh, Keith, Lee, Keith Lee signed with WWE. That makes sense. I mean, I mean, it makes sense that they had tagged before. I mean, I'm surprised they hadn't tagged more than that just because the Indies loves to do that. They love to yeah. take people, you know. God, you talk about a hell of a match here. Keith Lee and Shane Strickland defeat Matt Riddle and Zack Sabre Jr., Oh, that is a hell That's of a probably match. a fun one, but yeah, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, no, that was pretty much it. Uh, my, my final question that I have coming out of this match would be, is this a match of the year candidate in your opinion? It's hard to say because I don't even know if it's the best match we've had on dynamite of a tags. And that's just, that shows how crazy it's been. Does, right? does the result, I think, and maybe I'm crazy. I think the result though, all the results elevated because you got to factor that into it. The shock, because I think, or like, could this be like the most shocking moment of the year, or something like that? Like, uh, something along those lines. Like, I feel like it could be. I don't think anyone thought this was happening. The Young Bucks don't lose very often. You know what I mean? Like, no, they don't lose often, and it just, it, yeah, this was something special. This absolutely. was absolutely something special. But I mean, I also go back to FTR and the Young Bucks on Dynamite. Uh, I believe in June or no. Uh, uh, it was April, right? So it was right after they won the ROH title that week when they wrestled the Briscoes and on Dynamite wrestled uh, the Young Bucks. I, I think to me, but it's a, it's top three, right? It's funny because I was I wrote that down and that's why I started thinking about what's my match of the year from AEW so far. It's going to oh, sound God, crazy, Charlie. Year? Oh, man. Which is like my favorite match that I've seen. And I think this was this year. I could be wrong on the date. Okay. How long ago exactly did, did Suzuki and Danielson wrestle on TV or sorry on YouTube? I do believe that was 2021. It was Ooh. October 15th. That might be my match of the year for last year retroactively then, just because I didn't see that much. And I know there was some better wrestling than that, but I just remember watching that match and just like nothing else made me like like invest nearly as much oh, as yeah, that match. Man. Yeah, I think that just puts it on a on a pedestal of how good it's been and well, at the very least, I finally talked about how much besides when I talked about it at the time, I loved that match because I don't think I went to it as much on the show because everyone had already talked about it to death by that point. But um, I, I will literally I'm, I'm ready drop for segments. Return, man. I'm going to be honest. I'm ready for him to come back. For Suzuki? Um, I mean, yeah, the, the reason why he didn't for a while was obviously the New Japan stuff. He needed to be on the New Japan side or whatever, but. Uh, yeah, no, people even said at the time, Suzuki could retire to America, wrestle a couple times a year against some really good talent that can hit hard. Maybe win a champ. He already won a championship. I mean, he could win another one. You know what I mean? 
Yep. I could see Minoru Suzuki winning the TNT title. Hell, imagine if that was the guy you had beat Wardlow. But anyway, um, and people would be like, Young Perry and the younger talent. That would be an awesome guy to lose to if you're Wardlow. Let's be real. Oh, um, God. But anyway, but no, and, and he could just retire out on one year of just wrestling around America wherever he wants because AW is not going to tell him no. You know what I mean? And he wouldn't even have to do nearly as much as he has to like in new Japan, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it'd be awesome. I would love to see that. What was, uh, what was your favorite this week? Yeah. So I've been going on a journey. Uh, you might be saying I'm, you might say I'm walking the King's road. Um, the Kanosuke, excuse me, Kanosuke Takeshita versus John Moxley. I actually got his name correct there, but I just, I fumbled over it. But anyway, uh, we had that Kanosuke Takeshita versus John Moxley in an AEW World Championship Eliminator match. Um, okay. So there was a lot of really awesome stuff to love in this match. Um, but the way they paced out the opening of the match, I felt really helped to build into some of the later stuff that they did. So obviously it's the cash and Moxley. So it's going to be incredibly technical. Um, so it starts out with some really good mat wrestling. Then they chop each other a little bit, but they don't spend too much time. They don't do the Japanese guy versus American guy thing. That's been done to death a million times since forever. Right. But if you think about it, if you go back to the old school style of how Japanese wrestling was done with Americans, you know, you had these big brawler types that would just beat the hell out of you. John Moxley fits that mold perfectly. Um, I mean, think about it. If John Moxley was ever going to be like a modern version of the big, tall brawler guy that goes to Japan and just beats people up, maybe wins world titles or some smaller titles. I mean, he literally did the Gaijin goes, wins the championship. He fights over that. And then the, the native talent fight for something else instead, you know, um, I can't confirm that that's what was happening, but I assume there was Japanese guys wrestling each other in New Japan at the time. So it's not like it's that far off from the base. Um, I didn't expect to see Kakashi get busted open. Um, we'd seen him bleed one time before, I think, but I can't remember. Oh, that um, gets my brain thinking. And I was thinking, uh, oh, I've seen a lot of chatter online about Takeshi being the newest member of the BCC. Uh, which I am in 1,000% support of. Uh, I would love if they also included Shota Umino. Um, But, uh, and like maybe, because I love the idea that the the New Japan invasion has left scars on AEW. Everyone hits a little bit harder now. Everyone wrestles a little bit tighter now. Everyone's a little bit meaner now, having come out of that. You know, even the ones that didn't wrestle. Everyone's a little bit nasty. He took that shit to heart, you know? Uh, and hard hitting. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, well, I wasn't sure if you were finished with that. Well, yeah, no, I was just saying uh, it's just a hard hitting, brutal match. Kanosuke just flies so high, hits so hard. And uh, something that you said to me, it's like he's never said a word on AEW television, but he doesn't need to. He's literally gotten himself over purely on his ability. To, I'm going to repeat a little bit of this. He's literally gotten himself over on purely his ability to wrestle and hit hard, which is like. Yep. incredible and i don't think kinda, he ever has to say a word and, and that kind of brings me to something i really wanted to to kind of just have an open discussion about and okay. this is something we kind of been talking about this week is you know Takeshita is all the proof we've ever needed of that he has not had a promo he has gotten over and is over 
solely based on his in-ring ability. And this kind of goes to this trend of, you know, for years, everyone just kind of the way we've been trained a little bit from whether it was uh, WWE or what we've been trained that you got to talk to get over and that the only way to get over is you got to have a presentation, this, that, this, that fuck that to catch it is over. He will get a reaction every single time he comes out now, whether he joins Blackpool combat club, whether he goes to DDT, he's wrestling all over the Indies right now, just because he can He's wrestling on the West Coast. It feels like every weekend wrestling speedball, which I hope to God he comes to AEW one day. Wrestling Daniel Garcia for the PWG World Championship, which I hope that match makes its way online. And now he's gone out. He's wrestled John Moxley. And Garrett, I got to say, I feel like we're a fucking broken record. But this is another star-making performance for him. Takesh is there. With all these injuries, with all of these injuries, there's some bright lights with like among the fucking the wreckage that's been left behind. Because remember, we went over that study. Thirteen of AEW's top fifteen search, uh, like Google searches, were injured, injured or inactive. And now here we are. You got to find guys that show up in the rough, and I think they're doing a great job of making it feel like. We haven't lost a step on TV. Yeah, there's a little bit of star power missing if you really look for it. But I got, I, I'm loving John Moxley's title reign so far, and I think you hit every fucking every button there with Takeshita. I mean, it, he's just a um, 27 years old too. Absurd. Yeah, he's super. He's super young by wrestling standards. You know what I mean? Like he's a. Uh, if he wasn't 27 already, he would literally like on my personal pillars, but he's also not signed. So I can't do that either. But, you know, um, you know, I, what there was a couple of, I, I'm trying to find a specific match. Sorry. I apologize. There was one that I heard about that Takesha had earlier this year that I'm just trying to recommend to everybody. Um, yeah, and, I mean, we can even go back to last week against Eddie Kingston. I believe he was one of our matches yes. of the week. That was, yes, I, I think he was mine. I think Takesha, I think I've said this uh, like since week two of Takesha being in AEW, that he's going to probably be my favorite every time he wrestles because he just wrestles that perfect style for me. Hangman versus Takesha. I mean, it might have been his match against Kojima. I could be wrong. No, that's only okay. like 13 minutes long. It feels short. Ah, whatever, whatever. There was a good match he had earlier. Maybe Aoki? There was a match. Listen, there was a match somewhere in his catalog from 2022 that he had. The, the guy that uh, I've been referencing the whole time, uh, Monticelli, or however you pronounce the guy's name, uh, he's a big was fan it of. Grand Prix, maybe? It was something. It might have yeah, been. I, it was, he, he did something. Match. Yeah. He did something. It was a singles match, I know. Um, by the way, there was a match he had with Tetsu Endo, by the way. So that looks interesting. But um, if, yeah, if, if the, people uh, that don't know, that's... Yeah, so you presume that even though that wasn't for the KOD openweight title, that it was probably a pretty banger match, you know? Um, Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm just, I'm very happy that someone like Takesh has come out from this. And the fact that he's proven he doesn't need to, you know, go out there and cut promos every week. You can leave that to but guys you know like, like Eddie Kingston you know who or who else does that? And we, 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 we sleep on this. And I, and I love this because we're going to come back to this later. You know who else is kind of perfect proof of that? Fucking Orange Cassidy, dude. When does Orange Cassidy ever speak? Like, really? Nope. Speaks with his in-ring, uh, his in-ring charisma, whether it's having fun or 
that man fucking has never needed to do and will never need to speak, and neither does the Kestra. And that's why I love that there was a little bit of like acknowledgement there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, dude, AW's just on fire right now. They are, and I, I'm. I can't wait to see where Takeshita goes next. I don't know if we're gonna see him this next week, but that being said, we do have some news. Uh, a couple interesting things to talk about, and we will talk about a couple things that were at the tapings this week, just because. Spoilers. I feel like yeah. So I feel like for now on, something we're gonna try and do is if news breaks out about people at the tapings and it catches kind of your wrestling uh, media. And if say it you guys people's attention. Like we're not yeah. going to waste our time on like Leon Ruffin because as uh, we like Leon Ruffin, but exactly. we probably could have guessed he wasn't going to be a big star in AEW. You know, like exactly. So yeah, yeah he could be. He could be like your Captain Sean Dean, but so I don't that, think. Ex- you know. Yeah, and that'll be the first thing I'll hit. By the way, is he hurt too? As well, I think he's hurt too. Um, yeah, we haven't seen him in a while, so you assume Jeez. he's either hurt or it's he's another busy. One. So. I don't know. So, um, no, wait, we just taping. saw. Wait, we, no, no, no. Hold on. Let me let me check. I'll check. I I swear we just saw the captain like last two weeks. Like, might have. Uh, so at the tapings, there was a couple things of note here. Number one, uh, and Tony Khan is apparently quote high on the idea of a new trust busters trio, right? And this trio is Arya Davari, who you gave a you kind of wax rap sonic about Arya Davari last week, really putting him over, and now he is going to be in this new group. With him, former ROH wrestler Slim J, and former WWE NXT wrestler Parker Boudreaux. Now, if you guys are like, wait a minute, Parker Boudreaux, that sounds familiar, but I didn't really rec- remember him in NXT. So, he was in NXT under the name Harland, and Parker okay. Boudreaux had a lot of hype before he signed with WWE. And he had so much hype that Edge wanted to recruit him to the main roster for his new Judgment Day gimmick. But WWE just didn't think the guy progressed enough, so they cut him. That good. God, Edge is, Edge is just so tuned in, dude. I love so, it. So you hear that, and you're like, well, clearly Edge must have saw something. How come they – isn't the point of NXT develop? Whatever. So Parker Boudreaux <laughs> is now wrestling in MLW, and he's made his way to these AEW dark tapings, which now we're going to believe this is for the uh, a new group for Ring of Honor. And – we don't. I'm not going to talk about what their match had because I don't. I don't even know what it is. But I'm just going to say this: Parker Boudreaux is the perfect example of someone we want to see at AEW Dark because he's going to get these opportunities wherever he goes. Oh, and if I didn't mention this, he got really popular because he looks a lot like Brock Lesnar, and he played football for UCF, which is pretty cool. So shout out, uh, shout out my local school. But that was not the only one. Um, Cole Two Dimes Carter also appeared at the AW tapings, and Cole was just recently in NXT under the name Troy Two Dimes Donovan, and he was actually in a prominent program, and he wrestled in the AW nine times last year, so I don't think it's a surprise he's back as his first outing. Okay, but he got fired from WWE on July 11th, which Dave Meltzer called a quote policy issue. So that just take that take that to mean what you will. Exactly. It could be he took a wrong supplement or got stoned on the wrong day. You never know what it is out there. <laughs> but so he's back on the indies. And that's worth mentioning because Troy Donovan was grouped up with Tony D'Angelo and Channing Lorenzo. And they were actually getting a really big push. Tony D'Angelo is kind of one of the top stars over there. And honestly, he, he's a character that even has caught my attention because it's so interesting and, and unique. But they've scrapped all that and... Channing's fucked now, but that's beyond the point. So yeah, two guys, uh, 
Notable names making their way. I'm interested to see where that goes. I can't believe they're signing more WWE talent. Yeah. <laughs> right? Giving them a shot at AEW Dark. Because as, as we know, as we've seen, wrestlers can use that on their resume. Straight up. That is on your resume as a wrestler. And we've seen that with... All, remember all those tag teams that it's we've Alan seen? Alan Ages' entire, entire resume as a wrestler. I mean, what? Yeah. And speaking of um, wrestlers, so we actually got a little somber news here because we're both fans. AW's AQA is stepping away from pro wrestling. So she kind of put out a, a tweet this morning, a statement, that uh, at this time she decided to step away from professional wrestling for the immediate future. For the past few years, both mentally and physically, she has not been in a great place. With wrestling, it's silly me. She kept pushing through because I didn't want to be seen as weak, but it only sucked the fun out of every opportunity I had. I hope during this time I'll be able to deeply reflect and see what path is best for me. Thank you, AEW, for granting me this time. Until I see you again, with love. So it's no surprise. If she if she went to Tony and was like, hey, I'm not doing hot. I want to take a break. Uh, he's going to grant that. As we've seen with President, he's done that before, including their first month as a company with Kylie Ray. I mean, Kylie Ray was done like instantly. She just wasn't feeling wrestling anymore. So there's a President there with that. Obviously, we're both fans of AQA. Last week, we were pitching Absolutely. her to join the Dark Order. So, Absolutely. Um, wish her the best mentally and physically. And hope hope you return. And if you don't, I hope I wish you the best in life. Right? That's Absolutely. No, I mean, because not everybody, you know, I, I think it's um, the most apparent that this has been to me, especially for women's wrestlers, apparently, which I had not suspected, but it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Um, although a lot of women's wrestlers, it's just so stressful and so much that you have to, and you got to imagine that for, for a lot of women, they kind of view some, like, it, it almost feels like in, in a weird way. And I don't know if there's any precedent to this, but it feels like there is a weird way, less of a time. Like there's less, like guys can wrestle into their forties and fifties. Oh yeah. People start calling women old if they're, as soon as they touch 30. Which a lot of these so, women already are in their 30s, but they just look exactly. so great. You would never know because that's, that's that what you have. have to do as a women's wrestler to keep going. You know what I mean? The only yep. person I can even think of that like Natalia, Mickey James, I, I, Trish is incredible, obviously, you know, but like um, oh, yeah. and a few of the others like Molly Holly, like, they maintain their bodies. But, you know, they, they, they're aware of the fact that they can't come back every week. You know what I mean? Um, and even even we see it in AEW with Serena Deeb. I mean, Serena Deeb is a veteran. And, how old is Serena? I'm not going to expose her age on the podcast, obviously. And, but, but Serena Deeb, um, I mean, she's been around the wrestling business for a long time, and she proves it week in and week out. She kicks ass. She had Thunder Rosa's best match this year until this week. Okay, actually, Serena Deeb, fair enough. You're killing it. Still, and I'm sure. So, I, I, and Mercedes is obviously older, not that much older, but. Or, well, not even older than her, but I'm saying yeah. like, she's not that much older than a lot of the other women, but like she's in that range. And again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to any of the women out there. I just, I feel like I've heard a lot of women in there say that, like when they leave a company like WWE and probably AEW to an extent now too, it just feels different, you know? Like you're under a different um, light. Oh yeah. So it almost feels like I don't blame them. If it's something that you don't, if, if you thought that you loved this business, it's not even that. If you loved this business, because you can lose your love for something that can happen, and you just don't anymore, and you want to try and do something with your life that you're going to enjoy more, be more productive, be the best version of you, then more power to you, AQA, because 
you shouldn't waste your life trying to please other people just because you feel like you you have to because you just have to grit it out so that you can whatever your goal is at the end you know like i, I mean this is a very loose point but you get what i'm saying everyone like it's yeah, yeah. you know you got to make that hard decision sometimes and it seems like especially when a lot of these women have left wwe that's a big choice i've heard almost all of them say that there was a moment where they considered just quitting you know um yeah and it's crazy speaking you know? of someone who quit that'll take us to our last uh our last topic here and that's Ripler is having one last match and today we found his opponents and it is Rick is a tag match. And it's it actually AEW. sounds like on paper. Awesome. I'm not going to lie. Cause Ric Flair, Flair would not come back if he couldn't do anything. Right. Right. It's Ric Flair and Andrade El Idolo versus well, Jeff Jarrett and Jay lethal. I got, we've tell seen you, Jeff man, Jarrett wrestle recently enough to know that like, he's fine. Like he'll do. Okay. You know what I mean? Like as close as we'll get to AEW versus WWE because Andrade is a current AEW wrestler and yep. Jeff Jarrett is currently in the WWE. Yep. So absolutely, I love it. Uh, Jay quick, Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, dude. I kind of like the idea of Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett tagging together. I'm not going to lie. Flair getting a match with Jay Lethal, man. I mean, shout out the infamous clips of them in. in you Impact. know they're going to reference it as soon as he's going to come out. And he's going to woo. Oh yeah. That's real quick, be I'll fly through the rest of this card, and then you can take us through Elevation. But that's going to be our main event match. Impact World Champion Josh Alexander defends against Jacob Fatu. Impact Knockouts Champion Jordan Grace defends against Deanna Perrazzo and Rachel Ellering. Ricky yeah, and Kerry Morton. Sounds like a, wait, let me just pause. That sounds like an awesome match. Oh, yeah, triple, absolutely. Triple does. Ricky and Kerry Morton versus Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson with Arn Anderson. Uh, okay. Ray Phoenix versus Laredo Kid versus Taurus versus Bandito. I hate that my Brock Anderson and TNA production prediction is coming true. I hate it. It's happening. The Wolves, Rick, David Richards and Eddie Edwards versus Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin. Bro, what fucking doing? Is this 2009 TNA? Hold on. It, it, that, that is the it is a return match. Yeah. And then Killer Cross with Scar- excuse me, Scarlet Bordeaux versus Davy Boy Smith Jr. Clark Connors versus Ren Narita. That's your new Japan match. And then the Von Eriks versus the Briscoes. So Cool Damn. stuff, man. A lot MLW in there. Every wrestling company in the world. Well, not in the world, but you know what I mean. <laughs> North America's got a match in there. Absolutely. Then, so pretty cool. But uh, Impact is actually it, – it, 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 I will say this. If Impact becomes the crossroads for like the Forbidden Dory type stuff during the year, maybe they should get a pay-per-view then. That's like a, all of the shows. You know what I mean? And maybe WWE threw us a couple wrestlers on there. Bro, if you're WWE right now, you have to think like it how much business do you lose by sending two people to participate in one event? You know what I mean? Like that'd be fucking awesome, man. And let's be real, one of them can be a match, the other could just be somebody that just runs in and attacks somebody and sets up a feud for maybe even WWE TV. Like you, you could do get with something ball, out of man. it. Like ima- imagine this, right? I don't know who it would be, like maybe Rollins, who if he's not like a champion at the time, maybe Sami Zayn, just pick a really good technical wrestler, right? Because that's probably what you need to get the match made, right? Um, and it's just like, and they're going to fight Josh Alexander for the world title. You know what I mean? Awesome. You know what I mean? And, a, and they can they cool. can, they can, can either win or lose, and that can go however they want. And then someone rushes the ring at the end to attack. And then that can be, and then you can have whoever it is that they attack be on WWE TV for a little bit. And it'd be awesome. You know what I mean? Like... I don't know. I don't know why that why, why that can't happen ever. I know I'm like fantasy booking, but like, ugh. 
I don't know why that can't happen. It's so crazy to me. I think we're closer and closer to a world where it does. And that's what's kind hopefully, of exciting. Hopefully. So if you want to take us through Dark Elevation there, brother. Yes, I will. Um, okay, pause. I need to use the restroom really quick. Yeah, yeah. On AEW Dark Elevation episode 71, we opened up with Emi Sakura getting a quick little win. I mean, it wasn't really that quick, but it was like kind of quick. I don't know. It was kind of uh, a meme match because uh, Bryce Rimsburg got distracted by a fake tea gimmick by uh, Sakura. I was just uh, I was just like, lol. But anyway, um, and uh, she just appears to be having fun out there. Got the double under hook backbreaker for the W. Uh, our boy Dante Martin getting a squash W over JD Drake. Um, actually got to do a little bit. I a little bit. I, you like know? Um, I'm with you. I thought it was worth it. JD Drake um, wrestles so much on the indies that you, we're starting to see it bleed in, man. He's not just getting yeah, squashed. Just, he, I feel like he just gets caught up and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm not having like a really good match right now. I'm losing, Lamau. But, um,. <laughs> And then, but like he's like he does a couple of things. Like there's this little spot where he like he throws people at a high fly up into the spring and they spring off the ropes a little bit, and then he like forearms them. I mean, he does good stuff. Like you could see the the good wrestler that JD Rake is in there. He just didn't let him do a lot of stuff. So uh, picks up the win with the nose dive. Does Dante? Uh, Julia Hart got a match again. I'm actually starting to like seeing her more and more. Uh, Agreed, man. Over time, we got a death stare from Julia on the jobber. Uh, who just knows all of it, of course. Um, I love how, like, the demon-possessing Malachi is like a disease. It's almost like a cosmic horror virus or something like that. Like, <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Like, like yeah. It's almost like it's some shit that came from space or something. You know what I mean? Like, Because um, it doesn't act like how, like, traditionally demons do. So parts of me, like, is it like a space demon or something? Like, what is going on here? But... Uh, Julia looked vicious. Uh, her fake punches still suck. Um, and she picked up the one with like a modified brutalizer type submission. So that's pretty cool. Um, Ethan Page got a match and Colin Delaney was back. Yay. Hey. He still has terrible gear. Um, he really and, does, though. Hmm, he could be more because he's actually a really solid wrestler. Like, it's sad, but um, he's probably like, he was like, why the fuck gear. would I spend money on good gear? I don't get paid enough, but fair enough. But you know. Um, yeah, Ethan, the hometown, Ethan gave the hometown, sorry, Ethan, they, sorry, let me, re, let me restart that sentence. They gave Ethan the hometown guy to get some heat off of, uh, as the heel got a little bit of mustard on the back elbow that, uh, Colin Delaney was not a fan of, and he picks up the win with the ego's edge. Um, yeah, that happened. All right. Anyway, um, I don't know what the point of this was. Ethan Page just got this win back, I guess. Uh, Anna Anna J was on the show. Blah, 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 da, 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 da. Anyway, um, <laughs> and uh, she, uh, I don't know why a go go wasn't on commentary until this point. No idea. Um, but I was happy to have him. Uh, Anna was not playing around. She got the Queen Slayer in there pretty quickly for the W. Anna J. Uh, I hate I hate that I was right. By the way, about who she was, or who she's being built up to lose to. I don't mean to be exactly correct about that every time. It's just they don't push Anna J. So, and really- in the main event of AWR Dark Elevation episode seventy one, we had the Factories solo and QT Marshall with Nick Camarotto with uh, excuse me taking on uh, I think was it just the hold on sorry wait did they just have did I not write down their opponents? 
All right, well, going to the other document that I have here. Um, uh, versus, oh, yeah, versus the best friends. Why did I not write that down? That's so weird. It's so unlike me. But anyway, we had Caprice Coleman on commentary here, uh, which makes me wonder if best friends are going to be a Ring of Honor tag team, potentially. Um, yeah. That would be my assumption. Um, and maybe the factory, too, actually. Now, I guess, technically, if they were in this match, so... Uh, this is mostly just to get, you know, I mean, it was good. Like the best friends got off the ring and then, you know, Caprice Colin gave us uh, another geography lesson for New York. Why? I don't know. Uh, they, they got some really good pure tag team wrestling in there. Um, and, uh, they picked up the one with a strong zero. I mean, it wasn't like spectacular, but I, I didn't hate anything on dark elevation this week. I don't know about you, Charlie, but. I was kind of feeling everything. It was everything did what it needed to do and nothing felt like it took too long. Like, I, I would know. agree. I think it did need what it, it did what it needed to do. Yes. I would agree with that. Um, main event was good. They let everyone kind of do their thing. The crowd was into it, especially for the Ethan match. I thought, but this is all the proof that we need that Orlando tapings need to just be gone because Orlando the crowd added so much energy to the show. Like, and speaking of crowds, so this week's AW Dark featured the first ever AW All Atlantic title defense. It was an AW Women's Title Eliminator match, and then we had several matches taped at Universal Studios. A little, uh, there was some matches cut from this, and one of which was an Allen Angels match, which kind of makes sense. So, kicking us off first, we had Mayu Meshta defeat Thunder Rosa in a non-title match to earn a future title shot. This was at. TJPW Summer Sun Princess 22, which is Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. Um, this was one of those matches that they let it build. This was off to a slower start. They kind of like were feeling each other out. It gets to the outside. Yamesh is stiff as fuck against her in, in a good Bro. way, like that Japanese style. Oh. And I got to say, man, I thought this match was was excellent. Um, when Thunder Rosa got going, she... She had some great stuff. Her great Northern Lights suplex was awesome. Bro, I have so much written down about this. I have as much written down about my favorite as that's like my favorite <laughs> matches this week for this match. But like, for it you was mentioned, one of my I favorite just, matches I, this week. This yeah, made my I top agree. five matches. I would agree. Um, and I thought you meshed to just the way she would slap and kick, and it just it stuck out to me. And there was a head kick that she she landed on Rosa and caused Rosa to fall to the mat. So the end of this match, um, kind of included a skull kick and then a shotgun German suplex. And then Rosa tried to counter Yamesh with a small package, but Yamesh to copy the strategy and successfully held down Rosa's shoulder to the mat for a three count and a future title match, which we will see on AEW. Maybe Rampage this week. Maybe they hold it for another week and it headlines next week. But either way, I'm fucking down. Yamesh looks awesome. She gives yes. off this vibe of like a fucking villain in an 80s movie. That, like your antagonist is just scared or your, your, your main character, your protagonist is just scared shit of. So I'm down with it, man. Straight up. Uh, you, <laughs> what would uh, you, you think of this one? I had so much to say about this match. All right. So dude, it's awesome. How two people that have a background in mixed martial arts can turn just regular wrestling chain wrestling, just Texas catch can regular stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, they can take that and, and now it now it looks like they're changing positions on the ground like it's an MMA fight. Which anyone that's ever watched MMA is one of the most interesting things. If you know like, like even if you know like a tiny bit about how grappling is supposed to work, just knowing that adds so much to a fight. 
So when you know how wrestling grappling works, now I don't know it from like doing it, but from watching it for years, having seen what what it looks like when it looks amazing, this was that. And that's pretty crazy because these two, I don't think have ever had a match out so well. They probably might actually probably have one back when she was in Tokyo Joshi Pro originally, but at least it's been a while, like at the very least. It has least. been a while, yeah. So I this this is like exactly the kind of wrestling match that Rosa used to have every week. And for some reason, they just stopped letting her do that ever since I came back to watching. They just she hasn't had that level of match since like when she first came into the company. Um, this reminded me of the match that she had. Who was the what was the match that we saw that was on that random episode of Dynamite or whatever it was, where she was the Ring of Honor, or the, excuse me, not the Ring of Honor, the NWA Women's World Champion at the time. Uh, who did she wrestle? We'll have to find that out. But that match was so good, and this was match was every bit as good as that. Excuse me. It was Riho who she wrestled. Oh, of course it was. I mean, now now that I know about Riho, that makes complete sense. But um, uh, because she's just incredible too. But uh, they seem to have very similar backgrounds and styles, which mixed together in like a really really awesome way. Um, like you said, Yamashita looked awesome. This is a hard hitting, technical. Excuse me, a hard hitting, a technical, and a very well paced match. And the win was shocking. A lot of shocking results this week. Things you never thought you'd see at AEW television. Like just, yeah, and and it worked, man. So taking us also so through. How dark. do you feel about a women's or sorry, excuse me, about a world champion getting pinned by some just some person? Like if it was a guy, if it was women, if it was men's wrestling, let's just you say like the we'll just say the phrase, it was just match? some guy. It's like it's like. It works, Some man. fan, basically. You yeah, know it, I mean? Not that, that Tokyo for... Joshi wrestlers are fans. I'm saying, like, but to, to anybody in AEW that's not, like, a, a a well-traveled wrestling fan, which who the hell are you? But, like, if you're just a, a generic wrestling fan, does this make sense to you? Yeah. I, it, I, I it, to know. me, it sets up you, – you put more stakes on your world title eliminator matches. And we had two that's this true, week. actually. Chester versus Moxley won, and then we had this one. And it – That's fair. Yeah. It's it's an AEW thing. Definitely and- added more tension to the to the Kanosuke match because we know how much they like Kanosuke too. You know, like so. And now we know she's next up. I thought there was a chance Takeshita could win. So uh, absolutely. That been being said, too. it takes us back to Orlando, and we had yes. Private Party, and they defeated Bear Country. Uh, I thought this was going perfectly fine for a little bit. Um, they they let him get some time though, dude. This this had some time to absolutely. it. Absolutely, and. Yeah, Cassidy took out Boulder with a dive on the outside, and Quinn hit the shooting star press on Bronson for the win. Sean but in Dean, stark contrast to the previous match, just no energy from the crowd. No energy. Sean Dean defeated Conan Lycan. Um, Lycan underestimated yeah. the captain. I, I, I started looking at my notes and realized, oh, yeah, he was literally on this week. That's why he's yeah, in my head. Of course, know. right? The, I'm fucking not even thinking. Sean Dean, uh, hey, I'm cool with him picking up victories. The MJF win kind of turned around his career in AEW. Absolutely. So I'm glad that they're still uh, – Picking off that. Look at CM Punk knows. Look at CM Punk knowing wrestling even further than we even thought. Like that was like a small result. He probably didn't even think about it like that, but it literally turned the guy's career around. You're correct. Yeah, the JAS defeated, which was Matt Menard and Angela Parker defeated Jake St. Patrick and Sage Scott. This was quick. They hit the double DDT with Parker, and that was it. Willow yep. Nightingale um, defeated Mia Moore, and Nightingale again, even with no crowd. Basically, she. You can feel her bubbly charisma and her energy, and it's awesome. Absolutely. Baron Black, is he finally going to get a win? Nope. nope. Rohit Raju defeats him. Raju uh, previously had his matches against Davari and against, it was Blake Christian, I believe. And he had some pretty good matches. I think so, yeah. And 
Baron Black is 0 50, and the meme face continues. Yes. And Helico um, defeats Logan LaRue, and Helico did debuting uh, some new music. He's got some, some groove it. to him. I dig it. I believe Taz was laughing his ass off, and it, it just made it even better. Yes. He, he just couldn't get enough of the gimmick, and he thought this guy was awesome. When I say laughing his ass off, he was literally putting him over like, how cool is this guy? You Man. know what? I have to talk about this match, actually. I talked yeah. mad shit about Angelico for his wrist locks, and you know what? He went and he learned. I'll give him credit. Okay. They, they literally said it during the match. Anyone that paid attention to AW Dark this week knows what I'm talking about. Uh, he posted something on social media saying that he went and learned how to do wrist locks. So, love it. Love to see it. And it was like a little man. callback for people that pay attention to Dark. If anyone, if anyone was paying attention to Dark like two mo- two years ago or something, when Angelico would like screw up really basic wrestling moves. Um, and he, which is he, wild because he comes from a background Japanese or Japanese, excuse me, Mexican submission wrestling. How you don't have all of your holds and and your chain wrestling down? I I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> honestly. When you think about it like that, yeah, that is true. Um, <laughs> but whatever, no, man. You know. Um, yeah, I, I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. Dante Martin defeated Nick Camarado. So Dante Martin picking up a couple dubs this week. I wonder where that's going towards. I'm sure we'll see him uh, on TV one of the rather soon. I'm sure. Yep. Feels like that's Probably. kind of the way it works for him. You know, we'll just absolutely randomly see him pop up on TV, and he'll. Be winning some dubs. We got a Fuego del Save in at the end. Fuego del Save. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, the factory attacked him. Oh, he also yeah, won't get into that. Uh, the AW All Atlanta champion, Pac, defeated Shota Umino to retain the title. So this was at Rev Pro in England. This was the first title defense. And I believe there's another one coming up uh, rather shortly in that Irish promotion, which I'm blanking on. OTT. It's in this article. There we go. LJ Cleary uh, later this month. So, Pac, uh, first title defense against Umino. I liked it a lot. Absolutely. We talk about Shota. I'm glad he's he's being in AEW again. I thought thought between this and Rose vs. Yamashita, we had – Two of the best AEW dark matches we've probably had in a long time. Maybe ever. <laughs> yeah. Definitely both match of the year contenders of dark because they they really weren't AEW. Look, they were on a, for AEW television, they were on dark, and that's what fucking matters. And you know what? Let me just say thank you. I thought adding these, I actually was really excited for Tuesday when this when this came out. I watched it live. Uh, on YouTube premiere and dude, the main event of, Di- of dark this week was just a dynamite main event. That's what it was. You know what I mean? Was, like-, man. like you could have main evented that for dynamite. And I would have been fucking down. So that being said, great week of elevation and dark, which absolutely we were not saying that four or five months ago. And it feels good to know. Maybe things are changing. I wasn't saying it three weeks ago. Like you're not wrong. So let's ship into dynamite, man. Fighter fest week one um, of 2022. This is yep. our first Fighter Fest because we started right after Fighter Fest last year, uh, our podcast. Hell so yeah. we begin with uh, TNT Championship. Wardlow defeats Orange Cassidy. Um, I right, I'm just going to bury the lead here. I thought Orange Cassidy was fucking incredible in this, and 
Orange Cassidy's return has been awesome. I believe you mentioned this last week. Orange Cassidy versus Takeshita needs to happen. Because yes. when it does, it's going to fucking – I'm going to steal it. It's going to hump. So It's going to – we'll have some straight humpers. I thought uh, the chainsaw weeks. gimmick with the best friends was funny. It, on BTE, <laughs> they played it up that they were searching for a weapon to kill Wardlow. And the chainsaw is what they found. I thought that was a funny little continuation. They asked Swerve and Lee, hey, man, do you guys want to help us? They're like, what are you trying to do? We're trying to kill Wardlow. And you just hear Swerve go, hell no. Uh, so <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, but no, man, this this was fun. This this was really fun. Uh, what do you think of the kick out of the F10? First, I mean, Orange is quality. Now, superstar to out of the F10. Eh. Orange is absolutely the caliber to do it. Um, and 100%. I, you know, it. I also love that. I know you're going to probably get to it that uh, after the chainsaw spot, Wardlow was like, wait a minute, is there something else under the ring? And he finds Dan Housen instantly. Yeah. Like, Wardlow's not going to let that shit get past him, you know? And Dan Housen's just like, you know, Wardlow, I don't, I don't actually want anything. Actually, and, and Wardlow's just like, all right, get the fuck out of here. You know, like. Piss off. Uh, <laughs> so Dan Housen, I think, is officially back uh, kind of with Orange Cassidy. I think that was their plan. I think the idea is that he never stopped being. They just went their separate ways while he was doing Hookhausen, and then Hookhausen is just going to be written away from the history books, I feel like. You know? Yeah, so we'll see what happens with Hook. Uh, Orange Cassidy had a really good comeback, um, and I think this was a f- phenomenal first title offense for, uh, for the War Dog. I would I would 100% agree. I think flank the hell was that? Um Dwank? Yeah man, it, it works for me. Uh Orange Cassidy G fucking G. On a normal week that would have been one of our favorites easily. Absolutely. But as we talked about with Dark and <laughs> the other our favorites. Oh my god. But I also god. said Kanosuke will probably also be my favorite whenever he wrestles, <laughs> so you know, so there you go. Chris Jericho promo. Uh I mean He's bringing yeah, back the time the Jericho got should have been given to Eddie. I'm just going to say it. He's bringing back the pain maker. I don't really give a fuck about the pain maker. I'm sorry. Undefeated in AEW. Yeah, good. It, just for Eddie to beat it, right? I got nothing else. You? That That's pretty much all it yeah. is. Jericho's bringing My back the pain My only response to that is, you should have given the time to him, Giovanni. After the commercial break, Kingston was backstage with Ortiz and Ruby. He pointed out how he'd hurt them, said he wanted to be the most violent version of Jericho out there next how week. How do you give Eddie 30 seconds after you just gave Jericho like 10 years to talk about nothing? I think Jericho's going to be off TV for a little bit after next week. Good. <clears throat> At least with this feud with Eddie, it's got it. <laughs> Look, this feud has nah. been fucking great. It's probably feud of the year, to be honest. When we're, when we're ranking them all up, it's going to be up there. Which we will have a episode in December where we do this. We we will have matches of the year, feuds of the year. We'll fucking plan it all out. It'll be fun. It'll be an ESE mini for you guys. And I gotta say, this is gonna be up there. And you fucking called this, man. I wish we had the podcast number. You did it. We were like week one into this feud, and you're like, "This is just the beginning." I was like, "No, there's no way." He just beat him. What are they? What are they possibly gonna do? And they fucking kept it going and. Holy fuck. Good shit. You don't hang somebody over the edge of a ring and then just let that go. You don't. You don't. There's no shot. You let that go if you're Darby Allen, right? Like, There's no shot, dude. And he also almost won. He almost got the world title shot. I mean, like, he was that close. And yeah. Darby is like, 
Which, by the way, I think that's the first real attempt we've had at Darby going after a world title shot. Like, so I'm glad to see that. Um, yeah. But, so, so that so, takes us into we had the Takeshita Moxley match, which we already talked about, and then after that was a oh, that was the House of Black promo that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Brody King said he'd watched Darby on ascend for years, but now I'm getting mine by taking yours. He attacked Darby at a signing this past week, which holy fuck, he walked up and jawed him on sight. Pop me. I'm cool with this match, you. I mean, like, I feel like this match that I brought up is like the reason why I skipped talking about, like, I'm just not going to take credit for like, it's whatever. It was Brian Alvarez. I can't. So like, you know, um, I, I went with it and I don't think he expected it to go as far as I did, but like, you know, that's what I'm saying. No, you you really put your own spin on it, and you made it work, dude. And I I, I will always give credit where it's due. And holy, well, the only thing I came up with is I was like, oh, if I'm Tony Khan and I've just booked the professional wrestling gimmicks and the non-professional wrestling gimmicks, I've just booked myself like a, a new, like an old school, like Japan perfect, like psychology wise feud. Where now we can just have like six man matches for the rest of the year, and we don't ever have to actually have singles matches ever again. This can be every match. What are singles guard. matches? <laughs> we, Speaking we, of okay, uh, here, okay, here's why I think that. Okay, I don't mean to spend too much time on this, even though I said I wasn't going to. This could have been, and this is this is uh, how good of a feud this was. I'm kind of glad it's coming sort of to an end at Death Before Dishonor in some ways. It, it probably won't be completely over, but for the most part, you know what I mean. Like most of the main players yeah. will be not feuding with each other anymore. I think this match, every match on a card could have been this feud and it would have made sense, um, which agree. is classic Japanese wrestling booking. I mean, you there you can go back through the history. Yeah, there's other matches on those cards, but a lot of big cards in a lot of old shows, it seems like the entire through line was certain stories, you know, um, and AEW does that beautifully sometimes. So, you know, it was yeah, an example. Plus, Chris Jericho is just a genius. Like, let's just be honest. Like, we can give him shit for his personal views, and I will continue to do that forever. But as a wrestling mind, he's one of the best, whether he's the GOAT or not. He's one of the best, 1,000%. You know, like... Oh, yeah, dude, he's a fucking, like, a mad scientist with this shit sometimes. I swear. <laughs> uh, so we had Christian Cage cut a promo after that. Uh, he's roasting and fire. <laughs> He's roasting Griff for looking like Jungle Boy. And then Luchasaurus jumps in the ring, beats the piss out of Garrison. Luchasaurus getting put over hard as a singles contender. Do Bro, I think, think Christian was about to do some MJF-type shit, and he was like, ah, MJF can get away with that, but I can't. And he decided to just respect Brian Pillman, bro. <laughs> he decided to pull back. He just pulled it back there, buddy. No need. And so, yeah, man. Um, Luchasaurus getting a push. As a big heel, all out Luchasaurus versus Wardlow, big man versus big man. Is it happening? No. You don't think big man versus big man? Fair enough. But, yeah, so after that, we had Daniel Garcia and... TNT versus All-Atlantic, beautification, winner-take-all match. This is the way. Daniel Garcia and 2.0 of the Jericho Appreciation Society were backstage and asked about the Shark Cake next week. They didn't know what it was all about. Garcia says he understood why he's in a cage. He's dangerous. He's also tired of you to doing a cheap Garcia imitation. So he'll take the ROH pure title at Death Before Dishonor. Garrett, I'm fucking in. Honestly, I, 
my mans, should my mans lose the title at the pay-per-view? Probably. Daniel Garcia, PWG and Ring of Honor champion? Yeah, it all Ring depends on what they're doing, right? I mean, I don't know. I just don't even know how much ROH is going to be featured. Tony Khan, be the one. Be, have the balls. Let him wear the PWG title to the pre-title match. Do it. Pussy. Hey, man, Excalibur's coward. there, dude. You won't do it. Book it, coward. You won't. Book it, coward. You son of a bitch. So that could be Can cool. you imagine the pop from Excalibur? Don't tell X either. Oh, man. Fuck it. Don't tell him. Wait, that's the PWG title. What the, what the hell have you done? <laughs> Start breaking into fucking... No, uh, but yeah, man, uh, what else do we have? Hangman Hang Page was backstage. Yeah, and uh, he's asked about the Battle Royale a couple weeks ago. Silver Rounds came up, said they were mad, and they challenged the House of Black for Rampage. Cool stuff. So wait, is it? So I had thought there was going to be trios because Hangman was there, but I guess they just they decided nah. Yeah, they were just like, yeah, fuck it. Hangman, go away, they said. Hangman, do your own ting. Hangman, go be on BTE, bud. That's basically what it felt like, didn't it? Um, uh, JR joining for the second hour. Okay. Yeah, JR joining. So, Claudio Casagnoli defeating Jake Hager here. Uh, you take oh. this one. Think of this one. Bruh. Bruh. I love that AEW acknowledges history in professional wrestling. All wrestling is lore in AEW. Loved all the nods to WWE stuff. Not everyone will notice this. But Claudio didn't do the same style of offense that he did in his match with um, with Mr. Jack Tiabajunia or in the match that he had against the JAS inside Blood and Guts. He went back to his WWE stuff, who was almost like being in the ring with Jake Hager, reminded him of his time in WWE, and he just fell back on that stuff. Fucking beautiful. Two athletic big men just throwing everything they have at each other. Claudio is... So fucking strong. I'm going to keep saying it every week. He is. Hager gets a lot. And I always say this every time I bring up Hager. Hager always gets lost in the shuffle because there's like so many athletic big men in AEW. But man, he sells like a beast. I just, this match was perfect. It was on paper. Like, you're like, eh. I mean, the history's there, but are they going to have a great match? Jake Hager, Jake Hager, I just got to stop thinking that he's 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 great. I don't know why I always think like, I remember being a fan of his back when he was Jack Swagger and he was kind of terrible a lot. But like he he was always entertaining, I thought, in the ring. And he remains to be that to this day. And he just keeps getting better. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, what did you think of this, Charlie? I'm with you, man. I thought this was good. I love to play up on the lore. I'm glad they played upon it. It, like you said, it adds to the match for me, too, especially. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm cool for a couple of big men doing big men things. And Claudio picking up the win here is great because Hager has been protected in AEW. So, yeah. Um, Hook was backstage. and He was he asked if he was going for a championship considering he's undefeated. He just walked away. I'm assuming Hook's going to just show up and beat the piss out of someone soon. Who that is, I don't even have a guess for. A video package recap Maya Yamesha's victory over Thunder Rosa in Japan. Rosa, Thunderstorm was backstage. She said Yamesha earned a title match, but in the meantime, Thunderstorm was ready to take on anyone. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter walked up. Britt Baker said AEW is a disaster without her. Rebel came in with a sandbag. Is she wrong? Not wrong. 
reference the sandbag rumors from uh, Thunder Rosa this past couple weeks, which we uh, <laughs> did bring up on the show. Yikes. Um, um, so that match, though. Hey, that match, though. I'm hey. down with it. So she brought a, a sandbag in preparation for the thunderstorm. That was the whole point of it being in kayfabe. But it, we all know it was really the inside joke of that. And Anna J, holy shit, AW Dynamite, and she gets her ass whooped by Serena Deeb. <laughs> but hey, I'm cool with this being a singles match on Dynamite. I'm cool with that. Um, Anna J is just too like. I feel like someone told Tony Khan that Anna J was inexperienced and that she shouldn't win anything or something. Like I don't know why, but like. She's awesome, but she doesn't win anything, but whatever. Um, yeah, but I'll, I'll give you a perfect example, though. This is a really good uh, example of Anna Jay, how, how solid she actually has become because Serena Deeb isn't the kind of wrestler that you can just wrestle. You have to have experience. She's just been doing it too damn long. She wants to have good matches with people, you know? Um, she does. And so her keeping up with Serena Deeb shows how great. And this should be a submission match made event at some point. Um, so... But uh, Serena totally tied Anna up in knots, though, and I hate that I was right. But hey, uh, Serena Deeb's on the on the path to the title. Well, not to the yeah. title, on the path to the championship match. I guess I should say, which I'm cool with. So, uh, three back to back women segments in a row. We jump to Jade Cargill, Stokely Athway, and the baddies backstage. Jade said that they weren't afraid of Athena or Chris Statlander. They mocked Lily Gray for being an interim baddie. Stokely cooled them off, then said they'd be watching Statlander and Athena on Rampage. Kira said Layla would never be a baddie. Gatekeeping the baddies. GG. Uh, Jay Lethal and Cole came out on commentary desk that he embarrassed Joe at death before dishonor. Anna Jay was being checked on backstage. Ty Conti showed up and acted all sad, but Jay pointed out that she slammed Soho's hand in the back of a car last week. Conti said Jay needed to make better choices for her career. Garrett, is the better choice for her joining the JAS and turning heel with Ty Conti? I mean, if they have nothing else for Anna J to do right now, maybe. But I mean, Ty Conti's not really doing anything in the JAS, and it's not really what Anna J does. So maybe we're starting a tease at a potential feud between the Dark Order and the JAS. Laying the groundwork. We need. We uh, maybe the new Dark Order member can help fuel that too, right? So, and Absolutely. then we had our tag title main event, which we discussed at length about of how fucking awesome it was. So let's jump into Rampage here. We haven't actually talked about Rampage yet today. So we kick off Rampage with a match in the ring, as we always like to do. The Kings of the Black Throne with Julia Hart defeated Dark Order's John Silver and Alex Reynolds. It's a little House of Black versus Dark Order match. This was a fairly quick match. Uh, Good stuff back and forth. John Silver always looks awesome. Uh, John Silver German suplexing Brody King. My God. And then Darby out of nowhere. My God. Darby out of nowhere, and that kind of sets up our uh, our thing here, which is kind of the main talking point is what happens after this, right? So after the match, the House of Black walked to the back. Darby Allen flew off the top of the entrance tunnel onto Brody King, setting up that feud more. Sting came out and had a stare down with Black on the entrance stage, which, which Excalibur referred to as a chess match, while Allen and King brawled through the crowd. So, yeah, I think we're setting up a tag of Sting and Darby Allen versus the House of Black, and I'm fucking down. Or Malachi versus Sting, one v one death match loser. I think is- Sting is down after he jumps off something really high. Absolutely. We In then jump to a pre-tape anyway. promo, which I can't wait to hear your reaction of. Miro said he wants to know if God sent the House of Black to destroy him or recruit him. 
As um, we've known, AEW's been tossing around those words lightly. Shout out the Blackpool Combat Club formation. Uh, Miro I, being the new I mean, he'd fit, but I don't know why you'd do that unless Miro really just wants to work with Malachi. Maybe they're all his friends. Maybe he just knows it's like a group of four. Oh, no, they definitely know each. I mean, it'd be hard for European wrestlers to not know each other. You know what I mean? From the indie scene in Europe. Just in general, you know, like because there's probably not ones. I'm sure they cross. Not paths. much of an indie scene in Bulgaria. Probably not much of an indie scene in Amsterdam. You know what I mean? So they probably cross paths in Britain at some point. You would think. Yeah, yeah um, I would think yeah, right. If they didn't, it'd be because just Miro came through a little bit earlier, which is entirely possible, you know. But um, we know Tommy M was also up on the American scene for a while too, so he might have just been there already. But anyway um yeah no i i think these mirror pre-tapes are getting kind of convoluted again they need to do something interesting with them i don't know what you do without they're more interesting when he's feuding with somebody because he can just talk about them a little bit and it's fine but if he doesn't really have anything to talk about they're kind of it it was kind of good that he got injured when he did because they were getting to where they are now again where they're just like okay we've seen this every week come on Miro, do something do something do something and that's right. just where I'm at at this point. Like we're trying if to figure out if it's a recruitment to the dark, uh, excuse me, the dark order, excuse me, to the, the House of Black. Great. If it gets them on TV, because the House of Black have been all over TV, but not really doing anything since the, the feud with the Lucha Bros end. So I would love it. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm cool with it. So we then jump to ROH World Champion, Jonathan Gresham, freshly turned heel with Tully Blanchard and TBE. Brian Cage appearance on AEW television. They defeat Lee Moriarty with Matt Seidel to retain the title. So Bobby Cruz is out there. Caprice Coleman was on commentary. Garrett, this wasn't a very long match. Being where it was put on the card, that didn't surprise me. But I got to say, I really enjoyed this. And I think it was... I was shocked with card placement. I mean, I guess... I guess it kind of makes sense. Although how the main event ended up being... Yikes. Very shocking the main um, event. Yeah, the, the main, I was disappointed by it. I, I thought it was good, but it wasn't as good as the match between Private Party and, and the Lucha Bros could be, in my opinion. It just didn't have enough time or something. I don't know what happened there. But um, but I really liked this match. Uh, uh, hard-hitting, fantastic technical uh, nonsense. Uh, Gresham's style of wrestling, I think you're probably starting to get a feel for it now that you've seen a couple of matches. Um Gresham, just like kind of like in the same way, not in the same way, actually, in a completely different way to how Orange Cassidy sets a trap throughout a match. He does the same thing, but he does it with technical wrestling, um, which is awesome, which is why he was such a great Ring of Honor pure champion, by the way. If anyone's curious why he was such, why they brought that up is because his style is just so uniquely specific. Him and Danielson and maybe Lee Moriarty and maybe a little bit uh, Daniel Garcia, that's kind of why they're so perfect for that title. Um, But anyway, yeah, uh, all that fantastic technical stuff. Uh, the trap was set. He locks you all the way up, and uh, I I thought this should be the Ring of Honor World Title like match for Death Before Dishonor. Doesn't look like it's going to be now, especially after what happened after this match. And uh, speaking of what happened, be, let let's jump right into it. Tony well, Schiavone, just really quickly. I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I I think Lee Moriarty should be in the Ring of Honor World Title scene after this as well. Okay. Not just a one-off. I think he actually should be in Ring of Honor's world title division. And and I'm cool with that, man. I mean, that that works for me. So, that being said, uh, right after this match, Tony Schiavone is interviewing Gresham. We promised on AEW Rampage every week. 
Uh, Gresham called himself the best technical wrestler. Claudio Cascinoli, who's never won a world championship, came out and taunted Gresham from the stage. So Claudio versus Gresham at Death Before Dishonor. To me, this sells your main event. This is a big dog time. Everyone's hoping to see Claudio win the title for the first time. And it's the only match I've been wrong about the card so far that I sent you. I'm glad to be this incorrect about this match. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I, I'm excited for this. This is gonna be fucking. This is gonna be fun. And this is gonna be. This is like what you said. It, it, this is your main event. This is gonna be the one that you you know. Speaking of fun matches, you didn't realize that you wanted. Yeah, Jay uh, Christopher Daniels calls out Jay Lethal in defense of Samoa Joe. So probably on Rampage next week, Christopher Daniels versus Jay Lethal. Solid, really fun match we're going to have. And if you haven't seen this match already from back in the uh, Impact days, it's going to be fun. Oh, yeah, it'll be a good time. So Chris Statlander and Athena defeat the Renegades in 25 seconds, but most of this match happened before the pinfall. Uh, you know me. I love seeing the Renegades on TV. I think they should be signed. I think there is a spot in the wrestling business for twins like this, and especially they're so young and they're so gifted already. Like you can see that what happens out of this. I I agree. The renegades are great because the baddie failed. So what happens to Stokely now? I, yeah, right. I don't know. So, uh, the renegades (sighs) storyline just keeps getting worse. (laughs) Um, let's see. I'm trying to think where we're at here. So after the match, they hit the O face real quick. Layla Gray, who had been watching from ringside, confronted Athena. Athena and Statlander attacked Gray, but Jade and Kira ran in, saved Gray, taking out both Athena and Statlander easily. It seemed like this might have been the, quote, plan Stokely had in mind for Gray. She basically sacrificed herself so Cargill and Hoagie could get the jump on the baby faces. Um, Yeah. So Cargill seemed more pleased than Gray was on Wednesday. I think they're really hoping Red Velvet returns soon. Yeah, I agree. Um. I don't know. I I still think are how are they just holding out Athena versus uh, Jade? Are they gonna <sighs> rampage? Uh, when are they gonna maybe, do? It? Maybe they want to drag it all the way to all out, dude. And, and that's what they're gonna have her lose. And it's that would make sense if that's if that's the route they're going. Yeah, like if you if you want to go that route, then just start having her make excuses for why she's not having the match, like because yeah. like you need to have that. Otherwise, it's just gonna feel like they've just done nothing with her for the last month. You know, like. Yeah, luckily they've been on both Dynamite and Rampage every week. Dude, you know what would be great actually? Have her defend it still if you want to, right? Like if you don't, I'm not saying don't have her defend it. Just have her defend it against like jobbers or people that aren't them and then make like excuse after excuse for why it can't be them for whatever reason, you know, like it'll be really convoluted in WWE style at the end, but I don't see any other way to get them there if you want to drag it all the way there. Like that's how you have to do that, unfortunately, like. Because the other option is you have them in a tag match and Jade gets pinned in the tag, and that's her first loss. Yeah, and then and and that's great, and that sets up the match. But like, why not just have an eliminator match at that point? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's the same effect. It's it it doesn't mean less that she got beat in a tag match if it's by Athena. You know what I mean? So yeah, just ready to see this match. I uh, hope it's. Uh, I really hope that I want to see the other match too. Why can't we get Stat versus uh, Jade? You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe like they'll do, and then she'll beat Stat, and Athena's like, "All right, now you're ready for the final boss. You failed. Now it's time for me to turn to the dark side." Lex- no, anyway. Um, Lexi Nair's interviewing Lee after his loss. Stokely interrupts and offers Lee his services at him as a manager. Matt Seidel chased him off, said he's interested, but Moriarty did look interested. I love managers recruiting their talent on screen. It's little things, but I love it. 
Seidel made a match for Moriarty against Dante Martin for next week. Martin appeared to shake hands with Moriarty. I hope they both turn on Seidel next week. I'm cool with that. I mean, it's got to happen, right? Lee, Lee joined with Stokely. I imagine I mean, maybe. he's going to get probably pull because managers in AEW can't have multiple clients as they should. Well, yeah, no, like you have like uh, Smart Mark. Obviously, Smart Mark is generally associated with one person, but Smart Mark is also associated with Tony Nese. So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Hey, I, hey, I, I'm cool with it, man. And also the Bucks. Like, he's like, isn't he like the Bucks lawyer or something like that, too, or something silly? Like, I think he is with somebody's in the, in the, in, 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 that, in that group. I forget. Like, some heel person over there. Some son anyway. of a bitch. Uh, so Tony Schiavone interviews Billy Gunn and the ass boys. Billy admitted to treating the acclaim better than his own sums, but sometimes daddy ass has to drop the hammer. The acclaim came out. They started brawling a little bit and I guess they're setting up the, the match uh, the acclaimed are the baby faces here. So I'm cool with that. Yeah, this, uh, I presume that even though we think the acclaimed should probably win their first feuds as a baby face, they probably won't. Cause I have a feeling this could be the first title feud for uh swerve in our glory would be a uh, club. Okay. I think, I think it'd be interesting because yes, boys, you know, they've just kind of been limbo gun club for a little while. They did this a little bit before jungle boy and Luchasaurus won the titles. You know what I mean? And then they got the first shot. So maybe we do that again. I mean, I know they just did that, but it's been months. So who the fuck's going to remember? The best line was know? being hung like a tadpole. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, but I thought we were going to go two weeks without rapping. Max Caster saved us. He saved us. Thank you, Max. So we then jump into the main event. We had some matches. Disappointing. Week, which we'll talk about at the end here, but the Lucha Bros defeated private party. So the managers were beefing with each other in the pregame interview, which I, I, for, I don't know why I still get a kick out of it, but I do. I like yeah. the managers have beef with each other. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah this this was weird, man. Um. So they did their kind of stuff at the beginning, right? Like the first like three minutes of the match before the commercial break. Awesome stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Commercial break comes. Okay, they slow down. Fair enough. They're about to hit the stride in the second half. But are they though? Because they never really do. I don't know what happened. I don't know if there was just a cut time, missed missed planning. Penta did take a small fall, which sucks because um, it looked really bad. Um, and I, I, you know, obviously I hope he's okay. He looked fine. He continued, but you just never know. This was not the greatest uh, rampage main event we've ever had. I don't, it, again, <laughs> I think their chemistry might've just been off a little bit, but, yeah, but this is crazy. It sounds like such a great match on paper. You oh, know, like. they've had great matches, but there was still some great moments in the match. And one that I kind of point out is when Quinn, he went for the 450 on Phoenix, but he avoided it and hit a cutter for the near fall. And then Private Party got pented with the silly string spinning DDT. And then Cassidy hit Phoenix with a springboard cutter to get him off the ring. Yeah, button. there was good. I mean, there was good high spots. But like, I feel like the thing that ties these matches together that makes them AEW matches is that that sort of people will call it garbage indie style, but like that sort of like everybody hits their big finish, not their big finishes, but their big signatures. And then this, the match cools down for like a few minutes and then everyone comes back in and they hit another set of high spots and it builds to something, you know, rolling. And that's kind of what made it feel a little bland. I think that's the word here. Bland. 
Just like maybe it could have been. Who have the potential to put on a fucking. Maybe they should have opened the show. Maybe that's what should have happened here. I do think they should have opened the show. I don't think this should have been the main event. Because if Dark Order versus um, Black Throne happens in the main event, that's a hell of a match. You know what I mean? Fucking ROH title, and you go off air with Claudio coming out. I mean, again. Uh, That would actually have. Actually, yeah. Maybe they just kind of screwed up, though. I mean, Tony Khan has admitted sometimes he just kind of books things in the order he thinks that will work, and it doesn't always necessarily. Like he doesn't base it. I, he bases it off like how he would do it. He doesn't base it off of like, okay, how do you book wrestling? Like, I'm not like, saying that he doesn't know how to do that. I'm saying like, he doesn't like have like a, a manual of how to book a wrestling show. He's just basing it off of what he knows, you know, um, the old send it in. Exactly. And so sometimes it's going to, it's not going to land, but I mean, you know, it was rampage. It's an hour. Not every rampage is great, you know, but this one was pretty solid. So we'll take it, you know, take it for what it is. And, yeah, that being said, uh, there was a little bit of tension between Andrade, Roosh, and Private Party, so I'm assuming Private Party are just going to end up going their own ways, maybe get a little bit of a repackage as baby faces or something. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Faces, to be honest. So, but yeah, man, this was uh, this was this week's AEW. Uh, Fighter Fest week one, week two. Let's jump into week two real quick. So week two, we got our main event's going to be Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston, barbed wire death match. Rooting for Eddie Kingston here? Big time, right? I know I am for show, for show. And then we had Luchasaurus and Christian Cage versus the Varsity Blondes. We had Brody King versus Darby Allen. And then John Moxley and Wheeler Yuta versus the Best Friends. I love seeing Moxley and Yuta teamed up again. So, yeah, guys, that's Fighter Fest Week 2. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um... Other than that, I mean, hey, good week of AEW. And, yeah, uh, we really appreciate you guys checking the podcast out. Uh, it's been it's been nice. It's been growing. Um, you know how it is. We're here every week. So, yeah, guys, thanks for sticking around. Um, got any closing words for the people here, Garrett? There's your closing words. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs> Thank you.